This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie Deschal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Philippians 2.16 is the verse. It says, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. And then I read that in the New Living Translation. I taught something this week, and obviously we'll get it one day. Hold firmly, it says, to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Those are the words that came to me last night. And then this thought came to me last night, and I'm going to ask you this as a topic. I want to share this with you. Will y'all do me a favor when I'm gone? Will y'all do me a favor when I'm gone? Father, help me now and bless us. (laughs) Make sense out of this moment. Cause your people to lean in today and to receive what the Spirit is saying and doing even now in the midst of this people. Thank you for Celebration Church. Thank you for my friends, the Duchelles, and my many other friends that call Celebration their home. I love you. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. This past week's synagogue was a blessed time for me. I was blessed. I I want to be very candid and say that I really believe that after all that has happened, even culminating today, that I was made better. The fact that I came unannounced and yet God made room for me was such an honor and a great joy. But It's always good to be back in Zimbabwe. It's always good to see the faces that are now familiar to me. And I may not know all your names, but your smiles and your greetings always light up my life. Harold blessed me today. He's one of those faces that I look for. And I've been coming for quite a few years, and I've seen his growth for about nine or ten of those 15 years. I've watched him struggle and battle to become that man. And I want to honor Harold today and say you are a model for so many others that would take this trek and do what they got to do. I'm watching your overall growth and development. It makes my heart warm to see that you have not given up on your faith in times like these. The scripture declares that these are perilous times. The scriptures declare that many shall depart from the faith and give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons and devils. But it looks like the consensus around here is, I shall not be moved. It appears to me that you ain't going nowhere. It appears to me that you've anchored your souls in the rock that is our Christ. And on Christ, the solid rock, you appear to be standing. 
And I thank God that the test of life and the storms have not swept you away. You've not been caught up with the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. So every time I come and I hear the solid messages, the prophecies, I see the demonstration of the spirit. And I know that you're steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. And you can trust that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Uh, I wrestled with my labor and my part in the matter. And those of you that attended the synagogue, you know that I pointed those in attendance to the power of the breaker. Our help, our strength, our ability to stand must be in the Lord and in the power of his might. A breaker is the one that is sent by God with a message, with a plan, with the power to deliver us from whatever has us bound. They're earthly breakers. Moses was a breaker to the children of Israel in Egypt. Cyrus was a breaker to the children of Judah in Babylonian captivity. Pastor Tom is a breaker as you've seen today and as you see daily in your life, the yokes and the things that have been destroyed off the lives of people by the preaching and the teaching. Come on, in the obedience of this man of God who's been sent by God with a message to deliver his people. And this week I have come as a breaker. I've come as an earthly breaker to deliver a message to say something to you and this nation that would give you strength and hope in these trying times. But there's also an ultimate heavenly breaker, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. People around the world are bound and are being held captive to things that God never intended them to be bound to or held captive to. People around the world are in need of a breaker. People are bound by depression and oppression and suppression and regression and lack and doubt and fear and sickness and disease. The spirit of suicide is sweeping the land. People are taking their own lives. That's not theirs to take. We are created by God for far greater. You need to understand who you are. You need to know who your creator is. You were created to be fruitful and to multiply, to replenish, to subdue, and to have dominion. You were created to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. You need to know who your God is. So this time with you guys this week has been especially special to me. I sensed a legitimate shift in the atmosphere. Not just this crazy weather this week. And I preached and shared with you under much duress in my body. I played football and basketball coming up in the States. And we were taught not to ever complain, to suck it up, to get up and go, to not make excuses. When you're hurting, you can't let your opponent know that you're hurting. When you have a weakness, you can't let your opponent know that you have a weakness. And I came up and I felt horrible on my first day here, even worse on my second day here. But then I just crawled up in a fetal position with God. And I said, God, I'm your child. And I said, God, when I'm weak, then am I strong. I realized that your grace is sufficient for me. 
So therefore, Lord, I'd rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And God enabled me and God strengthened me and God helped me through these past few days. But it was that crazy and clement weather. It was that shift in the natural atmosphere that caused my duress. But we cannot allow the times, we cannot allow conditions, even in the natural, to keep us from doing that which God has called us to do. We have got to, like the Apostle Paul, beaten with rods, stoned, left for dead, we got to get up and go right back at what God has called us to do. We can't allow little things. These men that you saw standing in front of you, they had several things that could have sidetracked them, that could have kept them from completing this course and becoming these men that they have become. But they had to endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And I come to a place like this, and oftentimes I don't feel in my body that I'm capable of doing what God is summons me to do, summons me to become, summons me to say, and I have to just obey him and trust that it's going to be okay. Something broke in the heavenlies this week, and I'm a friend and a partner of this ministry. I'm a servant of your pastors and this ministry overall. And I have never come to this place and been disappointed. I have never come here and left worse than I was before I came. I've never come here and not been encouraged and blessed and infused. I've never come here and not go back better than what I were, better than what I was before I came. So I want to say to you, thank you. Thank you for opening your lives to me. Thank you for whatever it is that God has given me to share with you and you've accepted. You have been more than gracious. You have been so honoring of me. And I just want to say to you, thank you. Thank you, Celebration. Thank you, Zimbabwe. Thank you, people of God. With what I've said so far, it's pretty obvious that preaching good was not the most important thing to me. Not this morning. I really would like for you to hear my heart. I really would like for you to feel me. When servants of God, especially preachers, spend time with people like I have with you, and they pour themselves out, and they give their all, they long for one thing, when it's all said and done, and it is that they can know of a certainty that their labor was not in vain. This is what Paul means in the text that I read. When I read it at 2.30 this morning or so, I wept. It's on the screen, Philippians 2.16. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. I want to make sure that my work, wherever I go, is not useless, is not in vain. I've learned over the years that my office is not as important as my function. I do what I do to equip the saints, not the Lord over anybody. Ephesians 4 says, He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers 
for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. I do what I do in order to enable you to do something. I do what I do so that you can become something. I do what I do so that you can be equipped for the work that Christ has called you to. I got a revelation one day standing over our congregation on the platform on a Sunday morning in a Bible study prior to the worship service. And I read Ephesians 4 and everybody says, you're the leader, you're the great leader. But when I read that text, it says I'm not just a leader, I'm an equipper. It's my job to train people, to equip people, to do what it is that God has called them to do. It is my job to take what God has given me. I heard this week that these gifts come to us, but they're not for us, they're for others. We're just conduits. We're just the means by which God comes through on the behalf of other people to help you become what he's called you to become. I do what I do to cause you to be able to do. I laid there last night wondering what people like Moses must have felt after leading a people for 40 years. Do you not know that all but two of the grown people that started with him died? They died in the wilderness in doubt and unbelief. Only two of the mature people that left Egypt. They had all the signs. They had all the wonders. They had direct revelation from God. Manna, cloud by day, fire by night. And they still didn't get in. I think about all the prophets who preached their guts out. And nothing changed in the lives of people. The people remained stiff-necked. They remained backslidden. Jeremiah preached 40 years and made one convert. Ezekiel, God told him, they're not even going to hear you, Ezekiel. They don't even listen to me. Even Jesus, you got to get this, spent quality time with his followers, and most of them just didn't get it. He poured himself into them while he was here with them. They still squabbled. They still had issues. They still were cantankerous. They still didn't know. You know, Judas was jacked up. Peter wasn't far behind him. James and John wanted to sit on the right and the left. Family influences and stuff. And they had him with them. When it was time for his departure, he gives them some propositional and imperative spoken word. I guess I could have said he spoke to them some truth and some commandments. It came time for his departure, and he basically says to them, I'm leaving, so do me a favor when I'm gone. Here's what he said, John 14, 10. Do you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Verse 12, verily I say unto you, or very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Jesus says, I'm leaving, and I want to make sure you understand my time with you. Jesus said, the Father have sent me. 
I was legit among you. He says, I've spoken to your truth, but if that doesn't convince you, I've also shown you how to live this thing, and I've demonstrated works. And then he says, greater works, greater works than these shall you do, because I'm going away to the Father. I'm leaving, but I hope my life inspired you to greatness. I'm leaving, but I hope that my life has inspired you to be greater, to do greater things. I'm leaving, but I hope I've equipped you for my absence. I'm leaving. Basically, don't be in awe of me. Outdo me. Outdo me. People have a tendency to put people on platforms and lift them up and, and, and think in their mindset that they, they can never aspire, they can never attain, they can never do that, they can never be that. You may not ever be that person. You may not ever do what they do, but there's something greater that God wants from you. There's something that you can do that can far exceed anything, anyone that's been in your presence can do. You are uniquely called of God. You have a particular task that only you can perform. You're the only one that can praise like you praise. You're the only one that can worship like you worship. And God wants that from every individual creation that he has made. Every person has a responsibility to glorify God with everything that God has given them for his glory. Now, I'm not Jesus. You don't have to believe in me. And I'm not going to be with the Father right now. Matter of fact, I don't want to go right now. I'm just going back home. But the Father did send me. I am legit. And I am leaving y'all after today. So when I'm gone, I want to believe that greater works are ahead for you corporately and individually. I'm leaving and it is my prayer that my labor has not been in vain. It is my prayer that when I stand before Christ that day, I can stand proudly or with joy about you and your accomplishments that I've shared something over the years that has enabled you to go further and faster and uh, to do more than you ever dreamed that you're able to manifest. And in that day when the crown is being placed on the heads and when the rewards are being given, when we're at the beam of seat, when I'm standing, having to get an account for every word I've spoken, for everything I've done, I want to be able to look over and see some of you in line with your crowns, in line with your rewards, in lines and say you know one day he was the one he came through like an earthly breaks of Jesus he came through and he spoke to us he didn't compromise he was bold he was strong he was faithful he lived before us a life that we can emulate he demonstrated greater works and now I'm so thankful and so many of you the soul winner's crown so many of you there are different awards that are going to be given based on your commitment 
And you got to remember, even as the four and twenty elders take their crowns and cast them at their feet, you've got to understand that, that the things that you do, you do them because of his enabling ability. And, and the people that you lauded and thought were so great on earth, remember when we get to heaven, we're all going to be there around the throne. We're all going to be in his presence. There going to be no big eyes, a little you. When we get there, ain't going to be no bishops and apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists. When we get there, we're all going to be the saints of God. We're all going to be with God. God, we're going to be with him and we're going to see what it should have really been like while we were here on earth. I can't wait on that day. I know many of you were not at synagogue, but I've been here many times, so you know my labor. And I want you to go back, as Pastor Tom said, and watch those messages because maybe today's message will make sense to you. I'm asking you a simple request. I'm asking you, for everyone who's ever heard my voice, <laughs> Pastor Taz mentioned at dinner last night his favorite messages. He said, walking in wisdom. He said he died for that too. And then he said last night, life after the breakthrough. And I, I was able to ask to reckon in my mind and to, and to recognize the messages and the things that were shared. And you chose those messages and the first one was my first time here walking in wisdom on that opening night. And my knees were shaking and my hands were sweating. My heart was racing. I had never met these people before. And I came in unspeknownst to them. They didn't know me, didn't know my legitimacy, didn't know who I was, didn't know my life, didn't know my wife, didn't know my children, didn't know whether I was a criminal, a crook, a false prophet, or whatever, and I had to come in. And I shared that message, and I remember going back to the room, and I said, God, I hope I connected with these people. Then I remember preaching that Super Sunday. And he died for that too. That whatever it is, you need to know that Christ went to the cross and he dealt with everything, every sin, every problem, every issue. I don't care what it is, whatever you can name, whatever you can try to use as an excuse not to do something, he died for that too. And last night, it was just a matter of after the breakthrough comes and after people wake up, man, are touched by God and are used by God. So many people don't live for God. They don't come back and give thanks to God. They don't come back and glorify God. And the message was the ten lepers were healed and only one of them came back and gave thanks to God. And so I struggled with all of those messages. And I want you to get that. I want you to understand that. I want you to realize that we are human beings who serve a supernatural being by the power of his spirit. 
so that the praise and the glory goes to God and not to us. So our preaching and teaching could not be in the demonstration of human flesh or the enticing words of men's wisdom, but they've got to be in the demonstration and the power of the Spirit. The one thing I love about coming here is that your pastor is a no-nonsense loving man, a jovial man who knows how to be serious about the things of God. So I'm here to serve. So I'm going to conclude with this. Will y'all do me a favor when I'm gone? How many of you will say amen? amen. Number one, hear my request. Will you do me a favor and think big when I'm gone? Will you think big? Isaiah 52, 54 and 2 says, clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. What is he saying? Make room for God to bless you. Live in expectancy of God, getting ready to turn things around for you. If you believe in God for a turnaround, make room so that God can produce in your life what he wants to produce in your life. Make room for him. Ephesians 3 and 20 says it like this. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Put your measuring rods down. Zechariah says take the limits off of God. Uh, what God's getting ready to do you won't be able to measure. And we learned this week that it doesn't matter where you're from. Greatness is in you. If you were born in Bethlehem and raised in Nazareth you can still influence and change the entire world. And if you don't believe me ask Jesus. And so we got to do that. Number two when I'm gone Will you do me a favor and not be afraid to try? Get rid of the fear of failure. You saw that with Harold, right? You can't fail if you don't try. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Did you get that? Don't be afraid. Fear not. Unleash your passion. Unleash it. You have to find your highest and best use in life. Leave your mark in this life. Don't let anybody stop you. Don't let anybody deter you. Don't let anybody tell you what you can't do. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. Don't be timid. Be bold as a lion for the righteous are as bold as a lion. When they say you can't, you do. When they say no, you go. And let God be glorified in your life. You've not given us a spirit of fear but a power love and a sound mind. Will you do this for me number three when I'm gone? Will you try to live as holy as you can? Will you try to live as holy as you can? When the people of God fell into sin, the glory of God would lift from them. When Achan stole the stuff and put it under his tent after they were given direct commands not to mess with the folk's stuff, the people of God became defeated. They went out to fight against a small group of people called AI. When there's sin in the camp, it can defeat and it can deplete the presence of God in the midst of his people. So try to live as holy as you can. Philippians 1.27 says it like this. Only let your conduct or your behavior or your lifestyle be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, 
I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Be in unity so that the commanded blessings of God can remain in your midst. Walk holy before your God. Do justly. Come on, love each other. Love your neighbor, forgiving one another, forbearing one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Will you do me a favor when I'm gone? And will you try to live as holy as you can? Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He says, I hear some stuff about you, and I partly believe it. Don't let your reputation be that of people who love God and the world. Come out from amongst them and be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. Put a difference between holy and unholy. Sanctify yourselves holy and God be with you. Can the church say amen? amen? Number four, will you do me a favor when I'm gone and not follow lying signs and wonders? I thought I would get a greater response than that because we're inundated right now with lying signs and wonders. Televangelists are duping, doping people and, and causing people to stray and to fall away from the faith. 2 Thessalonians 2.9 says it like this, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. When people follow signs and wonders and not follow the Lord, they're duped, they're deceived. We don't serve God because of his miracles. The difference in those disciples who would not leave Christ when he began to teach some very difficult things is that they had a relationship with him. The disciples were not there for the fish and the loaves. In John chapter 6, Jesus began to say, eat my flesh or drink my blood. Many who heard it, the Bible said, turned and never followed him again. He turned to his disciples and he said, are you going to leave also? They said, where can we go? You have the words of eternal life. For 18 months after the turning the water to wine, which was just something that validated who he was and put him in relationship with his mother here on earth, people knew right then that there was something different about him. Him. But for 18 months following, he never performed another miracle. He called the disciples to himself. He poured into them. He taught them. He trained them. He equipped them. And so when he turns to them and says, where are you going? They say, listen, we ain't here for the fish and the loaves. We're not here because you're open blinded eyes. We're not here because of the miracles. And they are legit because you did them. But we're here because of the word that have changed us. We're here because your presence means more to us than your presence. We're here because you are King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You are the Savior of the world. And we've got to learn that. We've got to understand that. We've got to position ourselves because there's so much deception out here. There's so much. People are leaving the right way and are following the way of Balaam. People are, are, are serving God and, and making merchandise with these antics and things. So I, I ask you, I beseech you by the mercies of God. That when I'm gone, that you will not follow lying signs and wonders. That you will not get up from a safe place, from a 
a place like this to go after some false prophet or some false teacher that can demonstrate some performance where people are planted and brought in from other countries to act like they don't know what's happening and people are being falsely raised from the dead and, and things are happening and people want it and they want to go see it. Listen, here's where we are as the body of Christ. You've never heard me say anything else. Hear me say this. We do not follow signs and wonders. Signs and wonders follow us number five will you do me a favor when I'm gone will you stick to the basics will you keep the main thing the main thing will you continue to pray and praise and, and worship and fellowship and study the word and witness and soul win and give these things are requisite to being in the faith if you're not doing and practicing these basic things, you're a very disobedient believer if you are a believer at all. You remember that from me. Prayers are right now as children of God. We have access to the throne of God. So now we can talk to God. Uh, we know that God here is not sinners, but them that worship him and do his will. We have access to the throne now. We can come boldly. Praise is what we do when we think about what God has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. Worship is just because he's Adonai, he's El Shaddai, he's God all by himself. We fellowship. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as the man of some is, but come together and exhort one another. Even the more as we see that day approaching fellowship, the enemy wants to pull us away from the fellowship. If he can get you alone, he's got you. It's not good that man should be alone. Two is better than one and a threefold cord cannot be easily broken. We need each other. You see these men up here? They helped each other. They needed each other. They couldn't have done it by themselves. Fellowship. Bible study. You put that word in your heart, you won't sin against God. Witness, share your faith. Win souls. Bring somebody to Christ. Don't suck off the tit for the rest of your life and be totally codependent upon someone and always have to have somebody helping you. Help somebody else. If God has saved you and have changed your life, then you need to bring them to a saving knowledge. In our local church at the invitation time, so many times, I don't even bring people down front. So many times I just say, okay, you're in the body of Christ. If you see somebody, sent somebody, brought somebody here today, you know they're not saved. Now is your time to lead them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Just lean over to them right now and share the gospel with them. Lean over to them right now and when they accept Jesus Christ, take them by the hand and get them up and bring them down so we can all rejoice with heaven because the heavens rejoice over one sinner that repents rather than over the 99 that need no repentance. Bring them down front with you and we'll acknowledge it. We'll baptize them, but you win them to Christ. We're all called to be soul winners. There's a soul winner's crown that all of us can have access to. So will you do that? When I'm gone, Acts 2.46 says, So continually daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity or singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people that the Lord added to the church daily, those who were being saved. Let that be what you're known for. Can I get two people to say amen? amen? Just two. Two more points. 
when I'm gone. Will you follow your pastors and do what they ask you to do? You're so busy writing, you can't say amen. I said it last night. So many people got notebooks filled but hearts empty. Doesn't do you any good to take notes if you're not going to live it. Doesn't do you any good to miss what God is saying by trying to interpret what he's saying. Before there was a book or writing, there was a voice. And God spoke to men. God who had sundry times and in divers manner spoke unto the, the people by the prophets. Spoke unto us by the prophets. Having these last days spoken to us by his son, Jesus Christ. The Logos, even the written word now we have. We got that. But before that, there was a voice. And we got to learn how to hear the voice of God. Even as it relates to following your leaders. Hebrews 13, 17 says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Let the church say amen. When you hear the reading of scripture or the word punctuated with a good hearty amen, it lets the preacher know that you agree with it, that you understand it, that you know these verses, though as difficult as they may sound to so many people who don't understand true servitude, don't understand servant leadership. The text says, obey your spiritual leaders. Obey them, the King James says, that have rule over you and are over you in the Lord. Do what they say. Their work, their job, their ministry is to watch over your souls. They're going to have to one day give an account to God. And this is what I saw laying in that bed. I'm going to have to one day give an account to God. I had put this message together. Let's make the devil mad. My last day here. Let's just top it off. Put a cherry on top. And he woke me up and said, no, no. No, no. Obey me. If you expect people to obey you, you obey me. And I sat there and I began to pin these things. And obeying your leaders is the equivalent of don't let the devil use you. Spiritual anarchy is an awful thing. In order for anything this strong to ever collapse, it's going to have to be an inside job. It's people that you trust. It's the Ahithophels that you lean on. And then they betray you. It's the Judases that you let keep the money. They have ulterior motives. Lastly, number seven, when I'm gone, will you continue to preach the cross? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. At the cross, at the cross, where I first, now you've got to understand that. 
You got to understand that. You got to understand that it's the cross of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. It's the power of God, the preaching of the cross. He died. Jesus died on a rugged cross. This is a bloody gospel. So many people want to tell stories, and so many people just want to stand up and give cute anecdotes about life and how to live their best life now. Jesus left, left him, died on a cross, was buried and rose again. His best life was in obedience unto the Father. He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so while people are, are pushing up their cleavage and, and taking selfies, saying they're living their best life now, posting stuff on social media and showing this facade with drink. We got saints in the United States with Martini Monday drinks in their hands, Tequila Tuesday drinks in their hand, Whiskey Wednesday drinks in their hand and they're sitting here and they're posting this stuff and they're on vacations and taking trips, leaving the work of the ministry, leaving the corporate destiny of the church to go out and live their best lives now. Let me help you. You won't experience your best life until one one day you're standing in the presence of God with streets of gold, walls of jasper, pearly gates, a tree for the healing of all the nations, a river that will never run dry. And the light of that city is Jesus himself. Your best life is yet to come. Your best life is living in obedience to God. People preach all kinds of things. You remember this about this preacher from Jacksonville, Florida. You remember this. I knew nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all I know. He's the one that made it possible for me to get on an airplane and fly to Zimbabwe. I love Pastor Tom, but I'm not just here because I love him and he's one of the best friends I've ever had in my life. I'm here because Jesus died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. If there be no resurrection, then all of this meeting today is in vain. Everything you've seen demonstrated is in vain. So my text says, y'all hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, when I'm standing before him, I'll be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. And I want to leave you with just one more request. Number eight. Will y'all do me a favor and pray for me when I'm gone? Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.